right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode of All the WrestleManias, the podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. We are thrilled to be back in the studio with you. As always, we got a really exciting one for you today. We're we're kicking it old school. Do the, do the kids still say that? Oh yeah, I'm I'm so amped for this. <laughs> I've been I've been jonesing to talk about this show for a while now. So this is off of the Peacock. There's a little series called WWF WWE Old School, and it's uh, really just some sometimes random but sometimes really meaningful matches put together under that title. So the one that we wanted to look at is episode 13 of the Old School series. And it is the birth of Hulkamania. It's live and in color from Madison Square Garden in New York City, January 23rd, 1984. We just had a big anniversary of this show just a couple weeks ago. That would have been, um, actually, that would have been this week as as we're recording this here. Yeah. Um, so 39, is that possible? Am I that old? 39 years ago um, this week? Yeah. Hawkamania was born and it's been running wild ever since. So that's what we uh, are here to talk to you about today. We hope you enjoyed our recent episodes. We hope you caught the Royal Rumble preview. By the time this episode comes out, the actual Royal Rumble will have happened and you can see just how right we were about all of our predictions. Obviously. Uh, obviously. And hopefully you also caught the Two for Tuesday episode where we talked about those rare pay-per-views that happen on nights other than Saturdays or Sundays. Uh, that one was a lot of fun as well. And don't forget, we're at alltherestlemanias.com. You can find us on Twitter at WrestlemaniaPod. You can always send us your emails, your questions, your comments, your requests to alltherestlemanias at gmail.com. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. We've got TikTok. We've got YouTube. We've got all this stuff. And Rich, do you want to give them the, uh, the Kofi a coffee coffee uh, yes yeah, so it's www.ko-fi.com slash all the wrestlemania is all one word and there if you feel so inclined you can you can shoot us a couple bucks if you if you enjoy the program and want to try and help support it if not you know we're cool you know yeah, we're not doing this for the money. We're not in it for the money. I mean, money would be great, but we're doing it for we, the chicks. Here we are, obviously, because <laughs> talking about uh, Howard Finkel in a laser suit is going to get all the ladies going. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so Howard Finkel's back on on a, not back. This is prime prime <laughs> Fink uh, yeah. on announcing. He's got um, hair. Yeah, it's crazy. And Gorilla Monsoon and Pat Patterson are on commentary on this one, uh, which is really interesting. So do you want to talk a little bit about the background for this show? Yeah. So first, this is real old school. It's 1984. So they have ringside judges of Abe Coleman, Paula Mora, and Jack Gibbons. I don't know what they're judging. I <laughs> I don't think they can go. I guess there's scorecards. I guess uh, we're we're told that this is sanctioned by the New York Athletic Commission, and the timekeeper loves 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 ringing that bell. <laughs> it's pretty much his favorite thing to do. Yeah. Oh my God, he's just all over it. Like when they say his name, he rings the bell, and then after Fink stops talking, he rings the bell like real stuttery, like crazy, ding, 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 ding. Like he's got his own little little beat going. Um. So as where this takes place in wrestling history, Hulk Hogan has just come back to the WWF. This is his second run. 
uh, in the WWF. Uh, he had just gone back to Minnesota to the AWA. And this whole time he had also been fighting in Japan. And until like a week before this event, Hulk Hogan was a heel. He was managed by Freddie Blassie. He was a, he's a dick and he still fights like a heel in this match, but we'll get to that later. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much where this sits in history. We had, uh, Bob Backlund lose to the Iron Sheik just a few weeks before. This is pretty much Iron Sheik's first title defense and it doesn't go well for him to say the least. And it's still an old school show. So the heavyweight title match is not the last match on the card. It is the main event. It is the big draw, but it is not the last match on the card because the last match on the card back in these days, you're going to throw in a ton of talent that's really popular. And at that time, that means Andre the Giant. Of course. Who else are you going to call in this circumstances? Get Andre on the phone. As in WWF timeline here. We're at a cusp that's very similar to what we've discussed in the pre-Attitude era that the new generation WWF back in the early 90s where uh, Razor Ramon, Bret Hart, Undertaker were really getting the, the spotlight. And it's a similar situation here to where the WWF is staring down the barrel of an aging roster. And we'll talk about their ages of the performers as we go. But Hulk Hogan is like the second youngest on the card, and he's already 30 years old at this point. <laughs> it's a AARP convention up in here. Yeah, and these are guys that you you don't necessarily associate uh, being that old, but they're already old. Now, I mean, back in these days, they didn't do that many superplexes and hurricanas and insiguries and, you know, <laughs> the stuff that just like destroys your body in an instant. But they had to you, you had to fight harder on the on the road to get up to this level that they're in. So it takes longer. Um, so also much more likely to die in a car wreck driving between, uh, 300 and some shows a year on the road, multiple hours and miles at a time. Right. So So it's, uh, it's, it is definitely, uh, an aged roster and the WWF is looking for a new talent to, to carry them because, you know. Ivan Putzky's getting up there. Bruno San Martino's already retired, and they're a face territory. They love having their championship on the good guy. So who is that good guy? Because Bob Backlund's done pretty much for a while here. He's going to come back, uh, ironically, in the early 90s. <laughs> for one of the more bizarre return runs, I got to say. Oh, my God. Like, crazy. Like, yeah. talk about being out of place, right? Like, and he comes back as a heel. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah, but that's not that's not relevant right now. But no, we don't need to dig into that. So also they took away two matches from the what we see on the Peacock. So there was two other matches on this card, and one of them really disappoints me that we don't get to see it. And that is Tito Santana versus Don Morocco for the Intercontinental title. They they took that off of this, and I'm sure it's because they only wanted Hulk Hogan to be the title match that you see on television. Yeah. That's a tragedy though. Cause that, that was probably a banger before all the action starts. Gorilla Monsoon and Pat Patterson are talking more about that match and being excited for that match than they are about Hulk Hogan and iron Sheik. Even though the moment they hit the air, they're talking about this night feels magical. This is going to be amazing. 
there's something special that's going to happen. We can feel it. You know, they're like really building the anticipation, but then they dig into like, we're really looking forward to this Tito Santana, Don Morocco match. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's, there's definitely a lot of energy in the garden is popping. Um, oh. Everybody's out and, and ready for a good time. So are we ready to get into this band boy? Pat Patterson and Gorilla Monsoon are actually talking about one of the first participants, Tony Gurria, and that he's a five-time tag champion looking for a new partner, and they suggest Tito Santana for him. Hey. I decided to look up who he's won the tag championships with, and so he's won it five times with four different partners. With Haystacks Calhoun, Dean Ho, Larry Zabisco, and twice with Rick Martell. Oh, interesting. And Tony Gurria we saw on another special, right? He was one of the like Royals or something like that. Uh, the, I believe the Royal so. family. Was that his gimmick? Mm, no, I don't think he was no, with that. a different guy? I think All so. Right. My bad. Never mind me. I'm just over here. It's, Though you would recognize him because he used to be later in the later in WWF history. He you would see him help break up brawls ringside and stuff like that. He'd be one of the producers coming running down because he had a big backstage role with WWE in the early 2000s and the 90s. He looks like a legit old school tough guy. I gotta say, he's got yeah. like gigantic forearms. He's got these big ass like old school. I'm gonna keep using the word old school here because yeah, uh, sailor tattoos and oh, just this, those <laughs> sailor tattoos are amazing. Like your grandpa had right from his time in the navy. Yeah, um, I got these done in Polynesia, and then this is just a magnificent head of curly hair. He just um, he looks he looks great. He's up here against Jose Luis Rivera from Puerto Rico. Um, Tony Guerrero's from Guerrero's from. Uh, New Zealand, by the way, um, they get off to a good start. There's a lot of old school kind of chain and amateur wrestling moves and some reversals yeah. to the chicken wing. Um, some actually really nice moves. So the, the, the whole thing's not like terribly exciting, I would say, but the, no, it's you really can hear like, the crowd booing and telling yeah. and screaming, boring and like snoring and stuff like that. It's pretty funny, but there's some pretty crisp and kind of technical things going on here, which I sort of appreciated. Uh, there's some nice shoulder blocks. Um, and then what really got me was the moment where, um, Tony rolls up, uh, Jose into like a small package or a sunset flip or something. And he has his weight sitting down on his legs and he gets out of the, the pin by actually doing a massive, like inverted leg squat and like pushes the guy, like kicks his leg straight up in the air and like lifts Tony up. It's really impressive. I thought we were going to reference the cartwheel. Oh, the cartwheel was pretty spectacular. <laughs> uh, not bad for a 37-year-old. Tony Gurria is 37 in this match. Yeah. Um, the Rivera does a drop kick while Tony's sort of in, down in a position for a backdrop and just just really whiffs it, and the crowd boos. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a definite botch. They're, yeah. They miscommunicated something there. Um, and then uh, the the finish was a, was a rolled through crossbody. And the ref was really slow to get down and then counts really fast, like one, two, three, and that's it. Like that ref was fixed. Someone paid him off or something to, to count that fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. New York State Athletic Commission, my ass. That was Chicago nonsense all the way. I know, totally. And that uh, there was a handshake to start the match and a handshake to end the match. So two faces facing off against each other to kick off the show. And the crowd was not happy with this match. <laughs> Good sportsmanship, guys. Good sportsmanship. Yeah. Well, watching it on TV, uh, you know, 39 years later, I, I got to say I was moderately entertained. So. Yeah, I was I was digging it. And uh, 
I mean, the crowd, I think, was just disappointed because uh, it's a very Puerto Rican crowd. Uh, it's very pro Puerto Rico. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, Luis, sadly, doesn't win. And so that's yeah. that. But, you know, Jose is 23 years old and fighting in front of Madison Square Garden. That's pretty good. Yeah. Going to go far, young man. So speaking of a uh, pro Puerto Rico crowd, uh, the next uh, matchup is the Invaders. So it's Invader number one and Invader number two. They're masked guys. They look like jobbers, but it's actually some decent Puerto Rican uh, wrestling circuit talent underneath those masks. Jose Gonzalez and Roberto Soto are the Invaders, and they are fighting Tiger Chung Lee, a.k.a. Kim Duck, and Mr. Fuji. You Mr. Fuji. Who has a full head of hair and it looks incredible. I didn't know what the hell was going on. Samurai warrior, Mr. Fuji. <laughs> He's waving an imperial Japanese flag from like World War Two. Like, dude, he just was he been hiding in a bunker, didn't know the war's over. Just going for it. How old do you think Mr. Fuji is here? Mm, I'm gonna guess he's uh thirty-eight. He is forty-nine. Holy shit. <laughs> Mr. Fuji is 49 years old at this match. I was going to uh, go 40, and I thought, well, that's way too old. He can't be 40. Oh, my dear God. Chung Lee is the youngest in this match at 35. Invader 1 and 2 are 38 and 36, respectively. Man. And soon um, to be murderers. And soon to be murderers, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to get into that at the at the moment here, or you want to talk about the match first? Yeah, we can talk about the match. There's uh there's some huge boos for the the Asian team. Uh, the invaders are over big time. The the crowd is is super hot for them. Yeah. Um, there's some good uh, work with uh, some double teaming on uh, Tiger Chung Lee to start some quick tag actions and back and forth. Uh, Lee is is huge. It seems tag action. That's that's a little underselling what was happening there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, Fast and furious. They probably tagged in and out. 20 times within two minutes, the invaders, like they would tag drop down onto Chung Lee's leg, then hold the leg, tag their partner. The other guy would jump in, jump on the leg, hold it down, jump in, jag back like 20 times. It was, I've never seen anything like that in tag team wrestling. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I, and then they did it like several other times in the match too. They got on Fuji in the same way. They keep, yeah, they keep going back to the leg. That's their uh, that's their thing. Yeah, I, Fuji is an amazing seller. I I was taken aback by how good he was at selling through this whole match. And I shouldn't be surprised because he was great at selling as a manager. Him being like really putting over the invaders and stuff like that. He did good. So the other thing that was really distracting me throughout this match, and I, I must have just stopped paying attention to it, is that the ropes are super loose. Uh, like, yeah. It looked like somebody was going to flip over them at any moment and uh, and really, really hurt themselves. So I don't I don't know if they tighten it up for later, like I said, or if I just maybe just stop paying attention to it. WWF is still like promoting some boxing, I think, at this time, too. So mm-hmm. they're using the same ring for both. Um, so in boxing, you got looser ropes. I don't think they tighten them up so much as they start like – if you watch them when they go into the ropes and bounce off the ropes, they're not hitting them dead center. Mm. They're they're doing that stuff closer to the corner. That makes sense. Yeah, there was uh, some some mild racism out of Pat Patterson during this match. <laughs> the first one was Fuji seems to be disoriented. Pardon the pun. <laughs> he says that Mister Fuji owns lots of rice fields. That doesn't make sense. So you're no. saying a successful farmer. 
He's a successful farmer and he's farming and he's wrestling in the U S for some reason. Great. At the age of 49. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A real successful farmer. Mm. Tiger and Fuji both do some amazingly good suplexes as well. Um, Tiger does this beautiful side German suplex thing. And Fuji has a great gut wrench suplex, basically just throwing the invaders around the ring. It's really impressive. Um, and at one point, Gorilla Monsoon starts talking about having uh, bananas thrown at him during this match. Yeah, I think they were talking about his career, right? About Gorilla's career. Yeah, I think they got bored with the match and they just started talking randomly about weird things in Gorilla Monsoon's career. And one of them was he had bananas thrown at him. Because well, he's a gorilla, you get it? Yeah, I get it. And then he <laughs> talks about Cameron number five and how great the work Cameron man number five is doing. Yeah, that uh, guy's killing it over there. Yeah. And then Gorilla starts calling uh, Tiger Chung Lee the Chunger. <laughs> <laughs> Big Chungus. This is, a, this is a good match, but it, I'd say it, it goes is. on. It goes on a little too long, um, and there's some long like wear down moves from Fuji that kind of look like he's giving the guy a Swedish massage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it looked like it might actually feel good. You know, it's getting deep into the shoulder muscles. Uh, the invaders do the the old partner switch thing since they're indis- indistinguishable in their masks there. Um, and Even then though they, one of them is like clearly like three to four yeah. inches taller than the other. <laughs> yeah. One's very, very much larger, but he does a cross body onto um, somebody's leg, which I hadn't seen before. <laughs> yeah. Weird. And then they, they eventually get, uh, get the uh, Fuji and Chung Li into the rowboat, yep. which I had only seen in little person matches. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like a weird, Lord. it's like a four way leg hold figure four, yeah. figure 16 i don't know it, yeah and like i don't understand why you'd be so cooperative to let someone do that to you it's like it doesn't make sense uh, but then we have a time limit draw because good god they go 20 minutes yeah and the crowd is not happy about that at all so yeah we come all that way uh decent match i was gonna say the other thing that i noticed is did you notice how long the tag ropes are on this one Yes, they could stand almost in the middle of the ring yeah. and tag. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, again, wrap it up, guys. Come on. Yeah. Let's, let's tighten up our shit a little bit. So do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Mr. Gonzalez and Mr. Soto there? Yeah. Kind of critical role to play in some uh, unfortunate wrestling history. Yeah. So uh, Jose Gonzalez is infamous. Uh, for the 1988 stabbing of Bruiser Brody at a Puerto Rican wrestling show and then being found not guilty due to self-defense that they claim he claimed that Brody was attacking him in the shower. Tony Atlas, I believe, claims to have seen the whole event and uh, Soto also had seen the entire event, uh, Invader number two. And then Dutch Mantel and someone else were subpoenaed to testify but the subpoenas didn't arrive at their houses until a week after the trial ended. Um, and they believe that there were some shenanigans about that because Puerto Rico did not want to put their golden boy in jail for murder, especially for murdering a white guy. So, yeah, even though he totally did that shit, he totally did it. He totally just stabbed Bruiser Brody. Um, so it is, it is a bit of a blemish on the wrestling world at that point. Uh, and 
still one of the most controversial things. If you want to know more, there is a dark side of the ring episode put out by vice on this that you can probably find on YouTube floating around on the internet somewhere. If not just on demand it. Oh, we should maybe say, um, he allegedly totally did that shit. Just so we, so we he allegedly totally admitted to doing it, but claimed <laughs> self-defense and the jury believed him because it was Puerto Rico and they believed it was a work because, wrestling was was real back then uh a little too real for bruiser brody but it was real i mean the stories i've heard about the puerto rico territory it 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 sounds basically real like it's not like a place that a lot of guys wanted to go it was no a a particularly sort of violent and unpleasant place to perform and sort of taking your life in your hands to go there so i recently watched a match of uh tito santana versus macho man randy savage from puerto rico in the rain they didn't cancel the outdoor event despite it being a pouring down thunderstorm and they basically can't do anything in the ring because it's so freaking wet and the crowd is bananas they are losing their minds over this match. And Macho Man had to like run because he's fighting Tito Santana. He might not be Puerto Rican, but that's a Spanish name. And uh, <laughs> he's Puerto Rican you, to me, damn it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, uh, Rich posted that to our Facebook group, I believe. So check that out. It's, it's a hell of a thing. Um, we got another, we got a lot of matches to get to. We should probably keep it, keep moving along. The next up on this card is the mass superstar, which is our old buddy, Bill Eady, AKA yeah. the ax from the demolition. Um, yeah. hot damn. I like it. I like the guy. I'm excited. Uh, versus chief J Strongbow. Uh, just so first off, Bill Eady is a, is a friggin' monster. Um, oh my God. He is so big in this match. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah. Um, Strongbow starts out with some uh, some dance steps, and uh, Edie like backs up and yells and like points at him. He's like, "What the hell's he doing?" <laughs> yeah, that's so good. They're 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 jawing at each other through the whole match. It's so great. How old do you think Chief J Strongbow is in this match? Oh, uh, forty nine, fifty five. Sweet Jesus, fifty five. Collect this your pension f- and go home, man. Go eat some Jello. I like this is a fun game. So. So he's getting the AARP magazine for sure. Yeah, totally. Fuji would be starting to get his the next uh, next year, but Strongbow's getting his. Yeah, with Strongbow mouthing off, uh, uh, Gorilla Monsoon says he's giving him some of the Gaga. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that uh, Gorilla says here is there's a close up on Chief J, and Gorilla says, "Years of experience. You're looking at years of experience on that face." (laughs) Yeah, fifty five of them. Troubles of the world. Oh like, my it was God. fucking poetic. It was beautiful. I'm like Gino, monsoon is so great. You're breaking my heart. Troubles of the world. I need to get like a just a just a little recording of that and use it as like my ringtone yeah. or something. I don't know. People still have ringtones? Uh, probably not. While Gorilla Monsoon is saying that, you can hear someone faintly in the crowd yelling, He's not an Indian. <laughs> He's not an Indian. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Chief J. Strongbow is not a real Native American. He's I believe he's Italian. Was he Italian? He was Italian. Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. It's like with Charles Bronson all those years, just got to play like just whatever uh, national or <laughs> whatever ethnicity they could dig up. They're like, oh, you look like that kind of Chuck. And they just yeah. throw one in there. I mean, it's something that also Hollywood apparently did was they would frequently, uh, 
cast uh, olive complected uh, Italians and other Mediterraneans to play Native Americans in movies. Hmm. Uh, Chief J. Strongbow's real name was Luke Joseph Scarpa. <laughs> right off the reservation. <laughs> By reservation, you mean a uh, a hitter for the Boston uh, <laughs> crime family. <laughs> Um, allegedly allegedly uh yeah like a reservation at olive garden that's what (laughs) they don't take reservations Uh, i am enjoying the conversation between gino and pat about who the mass superstar might be um and and gorilla says at one point he thought he might know but now he's not so sure And then they're talking about how the masked superstar even wears his mask in the shower. He has a lighter version that is, quote, like a cheesecloth. <laughs> so These guys doesn't... are tearing it up on commentary. <laughs> God, they're such a good pairing. I, I need to watch more of just them doing commentary. Like, I don't care what who's fighting. But this match, there isn't much to it. No. It's it's a lot of jawing, and then, I mean, Strongbow's fifty five and looking like Marlon Brando, so I I'm not surprised. Wait, which Marlon Brando? Not young, looks, sexy Marlon Brando. The... No, he looks like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. <laughs> like I think he could have been like uh like The Godfather's like a uh, stunt double, but like it's mostly just like Pat Patterson going. I guarantee you, Strongbow's going to go for the mask, and then thirty seconds later, Strongbow goes for the mask. Yeah, total heel move, by the way. I don't know if it was intentional, but like Strongbow was no selling a lot of stuff in this match. I don't know if he was he didn't want to put up with Bill Eadie's shit or <laughs> or what. Uh, and then mask uh, is really selling and putting Strongbow over pretty well, but then it just ends with like a weird stiff clothesline. That's nasty. And Strongbow goes down for the pin. Yeah. And the crowd is not happy once again. No, no. <laughs> that's, that's three in a row. This crowd's going to riot. Yeah. No, you know, it's probably because uh chief Strongbow was not a real Indian. That's he would have done better. Yeah. If he You're had not been. an Indian. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear more about the mass superstars, cheesecloth shower mask. Um, I want to see it. Yeah, who sell it on QVC? Makes me think of like Scarecrow in Batman. Like that's that's what I'm picturing. (laughs) So next up on the card is uh, is more oh look it's more old guys. So Ivan Putski, the Polish power, they just call him here, um, as opposed to the what the Polish hammer usually, right? Am I am I I the Polish hammer is like his big move? But oh, sure, it's the Polish power. Yeah. Anyway, he's wrestling uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Um, yeah, <laughs> and the uh, the crowd is is mixed. Um, so Slaughter has always, always, as we talked about on one of our other uh, episodes, always, almost always been the heel. Um, he is a heel. He is almost always nonstop a heel. He looks great here, though. He might have been a face very briefly in WWF, and he was face in. AWA for a good period, but most of the time in his WWF time, he's a heel and it's stolen valor. He was never a Marine either. Him and John Cena. There's a, there's a guy in the crowd who's saluting Sergeant Slaughter. I can't tell if it's ironic or not. Um, Uh, It's in New York. It's most likely ironic and you probably didn't see all of the salute. (laughs) There's a sign that says uh, Sergeant Gomer Pyle. I, I like that one too. There's a real thinker one, though. So it says Sergeant Slaughter, but they cross out the S, so it's Sergeant Laughter. Oh, wow. That's deep. 
deep. Gorilla describes him as one tough hombre from the United States Marine Corps. Sure. <laughs> also, his entrance music is this god-awful circus version of the Marine Corps hymn. It is dreadful. I'm not sure if that was piped in, like added in post or what. I'm not mm. sure. Because, um, I mean, they really weren't doing theme songs for people. Um, so, I don't know. I I couldn't find anything to verify that, but I was, I was suspicious of him having entrance music. Um, that's an interesting point. I mean, one of the big things that really set Hogan apart was that rock and roll anthem, right? Like that was was one of his big, that's one of the big things that put him over. Yeah. So how old do you think Ivan Putsky (laughs) is in this match? I love this game. Um, okay. 52. He's actually younger. He's 43. Okay. His 43rd birthday was just like two days before this match. Wow. He's a baby. And Slaughter is already 36 years old going into this match. Sergeant Slaughter is one of those guys who's just always looked old. He looks old and young at the same time. It's really weird. I think it's the chin. I'm not sure. Yeah. Who's the guy in the cardigan that's just like walking around with Sergeant Slaughter? I, you know, I don't know. He's not listed on like the, uh, the WrestleMania, um, the uh, Wikipedia thing. Uh, and they don't really talk about him. No, but he's very weird and he shows up multiple times through the whole event. I don't mm-hmm. know what the deal is with that guy. <laughs> is he actually part of the show or is he just some random fan i i don't know i don't know like he didn't he didn't bother to dress up for whatever's happening here <laughs> so at the beginning of this one pusky does some of his flexing and you know he's an absolute yeah. unit and gorilla says you don't get that way by waiting for the bus <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> i love that they were talking about how pusky weighed over 300 pounds at some point apparently and he worked to get into this shape, apparently. Um, so I thought that was kind of impressive that they're talking about that kind of stuff. And then uh, they start talking about how Putsky told him that he likes to have a beer every once in a while, you know, because everybody else has a beer. That's directly what they say. And then uh, Gorilla Monsoon talks about how uh, Putsky just loves to sing, especially when he drinks some beers and that he sings that old Polish Melody of love. Hmm. Hmm. Troubles of the world. <laughs> Troubles of the world. They also talk about his uh, dietary choices, including how much he loves to eat raw onions and garlic. Yeah. How you can smell him coming. Yeah. Like several rooms away because of his diet. Yeah. All this is going on, by the way, while these guys are taking forever to actually lock up. And yeah. Uh, and I actually, I actually kind of like it. Like they circle each other for a long time before yeah. they ever actually touch each other. And you don't see that shit anymore. No, they really build the heat up. The slaughter is not popular with the people and the camera work. They're even talking about the camera work, how great the camera work is at the start of this match. Cause they catch Ivan's reflection in, uh, oh, the glasses, yeah. slaughters, uh, mirrored aviator glasses and stuff like that. And I was just I couldn't help but to think like the NWA shows at this point, you're lucky that they're even (laughs) videotaped. You know, you're lucky that someone captured them and like, it's a smoky dark room. Meanwhile, this is Madison square garden and you're getting these artistic camera shots. This is some uh, NFL films shit going on here. Right. Like this is serious, like taking this as an art and, the presentation of this is already better than any NWA show that we've watched, even the ones that happened 
five years after this one. <laughs> the commentary is better. The camera work is better. The arena's nicer. The ring is nicer looking. Like, this is a clean, polished product that's already paying attention to how it's going to be marketed and presented to the fans, not just in person, but on television. Yeah, it's very professional. Production values are uh, through the roof for the, especially for this time period. Um, it's great. Um, and this is just a local network broadcast too. This is just what was broadcast in like the New York general area on the Madison Square Garden television network. Yeah, we like, should point out this is not a pay per view, right? No, this is, this is pre WrestleMania one. Um, so they and they only had one other uh, pay per view before that. So this is before they kind of even looking in that direction right this is this is this is just a, a a house show from from madison square garden that we're watching <laughs> so putzky winds up on sarge with a big headlock and just keeps cranking it down and cranking it down and all the while gorilla and pat are talking about how sarge is going to get cauliflower ear <laughs> that'll give you some cauliflower ears in a hurry is the direct quote <laughs> <laughs> you know that's right uh, yeah, it's a couple of nice backbreakers uh, from yeah. Sarge and Putsky's cell in the back. Uh, there's a nice uh, he reverses the turnbuckle slam for a big pop. And then Sarge comes up bleeding after that. Yeah, um, it's first blood on this show. And uh, only blood, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I think you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. One of my favorite spots is just where um, Sergeant Slaughter gets tossed over the ropes and his chin gets hooked on the bottom rope and he's like struggling between the apron and the rope and like Putsky has to come over and kick him in the back of the head to free him. It's a nice moment. And then that leads eventually to actually Sergeant Slaughter winning this match by count out. Yeah, that uh, that spot's kind of lame, but like I thought it was totally appropriate and hilarious that it was his chin that got caught. Yeah, the, there wasn't a lot of lot of technical stuff, but there's a lot of storytelling in this match and a lot of fighting and just a good time it's a good fun match to watch uh yeah you know putsky is is hamming to the crowd as the face and slaughter is is just being a dickhead the whole time <laughs> like it's it's good theater this is a good theater match so i want to point out that the referee for this match uh jack lutz uh, L-O-T-Z was a mainstay of the New York wrestling scene forever, as well as the boxing scene in New York. Um, he worked the first three WrestleManias. Mm. Uh, he appeared as a ref in Raging Bull and then uh, in the Hurricane, the one with uh, Denzel Washington. He actually just died in 2020. He was 86 years old from COVID-related complications. Mm. Um, so real uh, kind of amazing figure, actually, right, right here at the center of all this stuff. So I thought that was kind of interesting. We actually have our first promo. We've gone, uh, what is this, three matches now until we get our first promo? Four matches? Four matches, actually. And then, like, I think in between here, uh, during this time, is when the Tito Santana versus Don Morocco match mm -hmm. would have happened. And also the Haiti Kid and Tiger Jackson versus Dana Carpenter and Poncho match. Oh, man. Also had already happened on the card by now, I believe. So we miss all the good stuff. We missed the little person match. We missed the intercontinental title match. 
Damn it. Well, I'm going to I'm going to search around on the YouTube's and see if I can't find the Tito Santana match. That match it, has to be out there. So I mean, I've seen I think it had to have been removed at some point fairly recently cuz I've seen other blogs about this special that are much older. They mention watching this match. So it's got to be out there somewhere. All right, we'll find it. If you uh if you know exactly where it is, then you should send it to us at, by email at uh, all the WrestleManias at gmail.com or maybe tweet it at us at, at WrestleMania pod. But our promo here is uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with mean Gene. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Um, he's set to wrestle Salvatore Balomo in the next match. Uh, and he says that you're nothing but a spaghetti eater to good old Salvatore. Yeah. He's got, and he's got that, that subtle Southern accent to it. You're no more than a spaghetti eater to me. It's so good. How old is Mr. Wonderful here? Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff is 35 years old. Damn. So, like, he's even, you know, and Salvatore Belomo, who is like, you know, he he looks young, is 34. So. Oh, well. Salvatore also uh, Belgian, by the way. Not Italian. (laughs) Of course he is. Yeah. Um, so the actual match is Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with Rowdy Rowdy Piper in his corner versus... Good old Salvatore. He's uh, waiting in the ring, which is never a good sign. It's not good for you, buddy. Uh, Mr. Mr. Wonderful is uh, is wonderful. He's just what an amazing talent to watch in this yeah, match. He's so great. Oh. He's uh, he's a consummate professional. He's just a legit tough guy. He's uh, all around heel. He did. He went face for a little bit. He was like uh, buddies with Hulk Hogan. Um, so he finally turned on Hulk Hogan and, and gave him a pile driver. But for me, he will always be, uh, like just really the, like the quintessential heel of this time period, him and Piper, I'd put it like one and two, probably in terms of they, these guys is put on a spectacle. There's like a solid five minutes of just heel stall tactics from refusing to get in the ring. No, I'm not getting in the ring until Salvatore gets in a neutral corner. I'm not getting in the ring until you check Salvatore's knee brace for foreign objects. I, and Piper is like, no, the time's not right. They even like turn around and start heading back towards the locker room. And then like the ref starts counting. And so they come back finally to get in the, in the ring. It's so good. It's, it's so dramatic. And and then Piper, the moment the match starts, this Piper is screaming nonstop outside of the ring. You can hear him screaming, get on his ass. Get on his ass. It's so good. It's so amazing. And then like anytime Salvatore gets close to the ropes, Piper is right there in his face, just screaming obscenities at him the whole time. Yeah, it's it's a uh, beautiful chaos. Uh, we should probably point out this is uh, Mr. Wonderful's uh, Madison Square Garden debut too. It is. He makes the and most of it. That's for goddamn sure. It's a hell of one. He milks this <laughs> this moment, and they just they just get every single bit of energy out of that crowd. Um, and you know, Paul then starts putting Salvatore over, making these amazing cells, the shaking, and like the the selling of the knee injury and then the selling of the elbow injury and like limping and just like screaming in pain and stuff. Oh, and he, he, they got the crowd riled up. That crowd is rabid. They're going to, they're going to beat the shit out of Piper if he doesn't get out of there. 
Yeah, he uh, he sells the arm and the shoulder. Uh, Orndorf does for uh, for quite a bit. There's a little flurry of offense from Sal there, and uh, a huge suplex from Orndorf. He cuts him off, hits him with the suplex, and they go out of the ring for a little bit, and he gets him another suplex. He has some of the neatest suplexes, yeah, uh, out there. I will say, I don't know if it's because um, Salvatore is is a little bit taller, but he kept like bending his knees instead of uh, dropping flat or mm-hmm. taking those suplexes. That kind of spoiled it a little bit but that's okay um and then of course we get that amazing pile driver from mr wonderful to wrap it all up that's a a beautiful and vicious move yeah the the finish on this is beautiful like salvatore's really got got the momentum going and he bounces off the rope and comes charging at paul and paul turns it into a massive beautiful power slam like full rotation plants salvatore on his ass right on the mat with it and then he gets a two count and pulls him up and says he's not done with him and so he lines him up for the pile driver he pulls him up and he jumps into the landing of the pile driver it is a violent looking pile driver salvatore i'm amazed he could walk after this match after that pile driver uh gorilla monsoon says that's it cover him up you could count to a hundred. He's unconscious. And he's probably right. <laughs> well, his neck has been rammed up into his own yeah. asshole. And then my favorite finishing touch on this match is that when the Fink gets into the ring to use the over over the ring mat, uh, microphone to announce Paul Orndorff as the winner, Orndorff positions himself perfectly with his back to the camera to block Fink and is flexing his back. While Fink has to like dodge to get around him to announce him as the winner. You can't help but to see Paul Orndorff and nobody else in that shot. And that takes a lot of skill to know exactly where you're at and exactly how to line up with the camera to pull off something like that. And it's it's a gorgeous moment. He's a maniac. We love him. R.I.P. Mr. Wonderful. All right. It's time for the main event. That's not actually the main event. Um, <laughs> it's like the sub main event. But it's it's why we're here. Um, there's a Freddie Blassie promo with Mean Gene. He's wearing a uh, like Arabian chic headdress. <laughs> he's very the Ayatollah Freddie Blassie. Ayatollah Freddie Blassie. I don't know if he's allowed to call himself that. Um, oh, that's what he was being called. So. <laughs> and the chic. There's the chic. Like when when the when the camera like you know moves and the chic is standing there. I about peed myself a little bit because he's just he's resplendent. He is a god he is a god he is golden god he is a golden god yeah he's like slightly oily and he's like his mustache is perfect so he starts out just rapid fire in persian uh just until mean gene sort of says i know you speak english (laughs) he switches (laughs) to english um i think that's maybe uh that's 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 maybe being a little generous on mean gene's part he kind of speaks english but that's okay but the, the gist of what the the sheik, the legend of the earth, uh, is saying is that he's pissed because he wants to wrestle Bob Backlund again, but instead he's got this jabroni Hulk Hogan. So he took yes. the belt off of Bob Backlund. He wants the rematch because he wants to show Backlund that it wasn't a, a fluke. He wants to show him that he can uh, humble him. Freddie Blassie starts off the promo with an old-fashioned timer. They pulled a 96er on us. Like, back in my day, the nickels were wooden and they had bees on them kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. And then uh, 
Sheik uh, goes over and finally starts speaking English and he says, I beat the Bob Backlund fair and the square in the Madison Square Garden. (laughs) Then they send in the animal Hulk Hogan. I don't know the guy. I never met the guy. I should be beating Bob Backlund again. What a great little promo. Yeah, no, it's great. So the whole story here is that uh, up until like two weeks before this match, Hulk Hogan is a bad guy and managed by Freddie Blassie. And Bob Backlund gets jumped by the Wild Samoans, top heel tag team. And Hogan runs down and saves Bob Backlund from the Wild Samoans. And then Backlund just gives a promo that says Hogan has gotten rid of Freddie Blassie and is a good guy. And now Hulk Hogan's a face. (laughs) I don't say that was easy. Yeah. And then uh, because of all that, uh, Hulk Hogan is supposedly a last minute replacement for Bob Backlund in this match. Now, I don't know how far... They kayfabe this to where they actually advertised at some point Bob Acklin versus Iron Sheik the rematch and then became Hulk Hogan. But it was definitely planned to be Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik in this match. Clearly. Yeah. So this is Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik with Classy Freddy and the Ayatollah Blassie for the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Um, Jack Lutz is back again to ref. Uh, the Sheik comes out first, which, again, never a good sign. He's got the belt, remember. Um, yep. So he's out there with uh does he have his flag on this one? No. I didn't I didn't remember the flag. I didn't write it no. down anyway. And then we cut to um this this shot you know I have seen roughly 1 million times. Uh it's Hogan in the the sort of runway in the back, you know, waiting to come out and he's got his American made t-shirt on. He's sort of smacking his pecs and getting hyped up and ready to go. Saying his prayers, Saying crossing his, his prayers. doing the signs of the cross thing. And, um, and here he comes. And so uh, before we get into anything else, how old do you think the Iron Sheik is at this moment? 37. He is 41. Jesus. Hulk Hogan is 30. 30. Oh, he's a baby. This is a very clear edit here. Uh, they overdub in Real American. Real American hasn't been written yet. <laughs> it's it's not a thing yet. Real Americans released the next year. And a little bit of trivia for you and for people at home. Do you know who Real American was originally written for? It was mm-hmm. not intended to be Hulk Hogan's theme. Was it another wrestler? Yeah. Was it Bob Backlund? It was not. Um, <laughs> you want another guess? guess? Um, let me think. He's fighting for the rights of every man. And it's also coming crashing down and it hurts inside. Smacho Man's not here yet, right? No. Smacho Man. Um, I feel like I should be able to pick this out. Was it Mr. Atlas? Uh, Tony Atlas? No, it was actually written to be the theme song for Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham, the U.S. Express. Uh, but as the album with the song came out, the WrestleMania album came out, Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham signed contracts with the NWA. <laughs> So they didn't ever get to have the theme song. They're like, fuck it. Give it to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Fascinating. Good call. Good yeah. call. Good call on that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they gave that up. So he could have been using uh, Eye of the Tiger. That's what he used after Rocky three for a bit. The crowd is already. The crowd is hot. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. And there's this great sign that says the Sheik is a freak. Yeah. <laughs> I love these signs. These early signs are just so 
so basic. And you know, that person back then who wrote that sign is like, I'm going to fucking burn him. Look how mean, <laughs> this is such a mean thing for me to say. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to write it in the largest, smelliest marker I own. 10 years later on Monday night, raw, we have a sign that says Bret Hart humps cows. <laughs> so, <laughs> although I do, I will always appreciate the Shawn Michaels can die sign. <laughs> Things get a little edgier. I'm going to my grave thinking that's the best sign from Monday Night Raw ever. Um, yeah. Hulk is uh, announced as the incredible Hulk Hogan. Did you notice that? Yeah, here comes the lawsuits. Here comes the lawsuits. Results for like 10 or so years after uh, WWE has to put like a little thing at the end of all their shows. It says the incredible Hulk is a copyrighted uh, property of Marvel, Marvel Studios or whatever. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Good well. job. <laughs> That let them know that the world exists and maybe they shouldn't just use copyrighted material. Like, so maybe they should start writing their own theme songs. Yeah. <gasps> For example. Yeah. Cue Jimmy Hart. So anyway, yeah. So if, yeah, actually, if you watch uh, some of these earlier pay-per-views, it's on the first WrestleMania. If you watch it um, near the end, it has a little, uh, yeah. little trademark statement for the Incredible Hulk. And they had to pay some halfway decent amount of money for uh, quite a while to Marvel to use that. So anyway, um, the, the booze for the Sheik are outrageous. Oh, oh so good. And he's not even really doing anything. Like he's not singing the Iranian national anthem nope. or going Iran number one, America yeah. or anything like that. He's not, he's not doing anything. He's just, he's just came down with Freddie Blassie. Uh, he's just out there being Iranian. Yeah, pretty much. That's enough. That's enough in New York city. <laughs> So I would say um, Hogan jumps right in with the heel moves. He starts out with an elbow yeah. and a clothesline while the Sheik is still getting out of his robe. Total heel move. He does another clothesline. He does a knee drop on the throat. Heel move. An eye rake. Heel move. A choke sort of holding Sheik up in the air. Heel move. Open choke. Just a blatant straight yeah. up my hands around your throat choke. And then he spits on the Sheik. Spits yeah. on him. Yeah. On, a, on a, a grown man. Spits on another grown man. And Sheik is loving it. You can tell Sheik's having a blast in this match. You can tell. You can you can just tell that he's like, oh, this is great. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> There's a big boot from Hogan. This is a very short match. It's like five minutes total. Uh, he goes right into sort of a half-ass pin attempt that you know is not going anywhere. No. Um, and then some more elbow drops. And then sort of uh, the Sheik cuts him off, kind of starts getting the heat on him. He ducks the splash in the corner and kind of goes to work. He's kicking him in the ribs with those pointy boots of his. His kicks are so good. If did you want, I, I rewatched this match today. And Sheik has this way of doing the kicks to where like he jumps in the air off of one foot and lands the kick and the other foot on the mat at the same time. So you get that great like real sound happening from the kicks. And it's in perfect sync because he's landing right as his foot hits Hogan every time. It's the little things, you know. He's incredibly athletic considering he's sort of shaped like a keg. Yeah. Well, at this point, he's still like ripped. He's still got muscles on muscles at still this point. Abs, yeah. But he's lean. He's so yeah. lean. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he gets a, a pretty impressive backbreaker on Hogan considering the size difference between the two of them. And then he, he throws a Boston crab on him. Uh, Hogan kind of powers out of it. And then there's a weird um, side suplex thing. And then he gets Hogan in the camel clutch. You know, that was oh, his, this is it. That's his finisher. He's in trouble. Hogan's going to... Uh, Hogan's the crowd is yeah. screaming and pointing and yelling and just <laughs> angry and just, 
oh, they can't believe it. They're Hulk Hogan's in the camel clutch. This is it. This is it. This is the end. This is the end for him, right? Is he he going to be able to power out of the camel clutch? Nobody powers out of the camel clutch. No. And Hogan is selling it. He He is wincing. And suddenly you see his right finger, right hand with the finger doing the shaking the no. (laughs) And then he starts shaking a little bit. And suddenly he's got his knees under him and he's lifted Sheik up. He is out of it. He is out of it. And the crowd is foaming at the mouth. They are, they can't contain themselves. You know, the, the arena is shaking at this point. I bet you they're at 140 decibels, (laughs) you know, how loud. And then Hogan drops the leg one, two, three, new champion. Literal pandemonium is happening in this yeah. arena at this point. They can hear, they can probably hear this in Penn Station down below over the trains. They can probably hear it up Broadway, Jersey. They're, they can probably hear this celebration over in Jersey and on Liberty Island. Like, yeah. it's, it's holy shit. One of the hottest crowds I've ever seen. Like, it's, I was trying to find something to compare it to, but you know, some of those WrestleMania things maybe, but, um, it's, it's nuts. So. There's probably people having sex in the crowd. They're so excited. <laughs> they can't contain themselves. I, there were women mind blowing. There were women who were virgins when they came into this, who had babies in the aisle during this match. Yeah. The, like, I don't understand. Like Hulk Hogan's only been there a couple weeks and he's that over. He's the Elvis of the WWF, you know, and in Madison square garden, like he just came out with jailhouse rock and people can't yeah. handle it. Yeah. The, again, total time on this bad boy is five minutes and 40 seconds and literally everything about professional wrestling changes in that time. Like it's, if, if you were not paying attention, you were about to get run the fuck over by, by a little, uh, operation out of, uh, Connecticut. Yeah. And, and in a speech the, by way the, of what Florida, yeah. <laughs> the, the camera work is spectacular through the whole thing. You see the, all the action, you don't miss a beat of anything. And then it's not even just the pen and the win. That's where a lot of the clips you see cut off. Mm-hmm. It's the aftermatch. <laughs> the aftermath it's is all, hilarious. The aftermath is over the top. It's hilarious. And it is WWE to the core to this day. Yeah. So they're trying to load the Sheik onto what has to be the flimsiest stretcher ever created, uh, but he doesn't want to let them fight. <laughs> doesn't want to let them strap him down. So he's like, he's like fighting back. He and, is throwing uh, punches at the medical staff. <laughs> and so he, uh, yeah, he just, I don't know. And it's crazy. Hogan starts taunting him. Yeah. Hogan is yelling at the Sheik as he's being put on a stretcher to get up and fight more. And like Hogan spits at him. Like he's still a heel. He he's a heel. He's spitting at him. He's yelling at Sheik to get up. Fight him like a man. Get up. Sheik does. Sheik breaks out of the stretcher. <laughs> Charges Hogan in the corner. And they're throwing rights. And they're throwing laughs. And then Hogan, you could see Hogan kind of whisper in his ear. This is the only time where it kind of breaks. You can see Hogan whisper in his ear going over the top and Hogan grabs Sheik and he throws him over the top rope out into the, onto the concrete and Sheik takes a hell of a bump for him. And then Sheik gets up. He throws a chair in the ring at Hogan. <laughs> Hogan picks up that chair and starts waving at him to come in the ring. There's people holding Sheik back. Come and try it. Come and try it. And then Hogan goes down on his knees 
praying for Sheik to come at him and is like waving at him with both arms. It's amazing. It's it's such theater and it's such chaos and it's beautiful and it is the change of everything. Yeah. It's it's really it is really the big one. It's the 9.0 earthquake that breaks California off into the ocean. It is the it's 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 what the NWA missed. Yep. And you could sort of uh you could maybe even sort of say from there it's all just kind of like playing out the clock, right? Playing out the string. Like this this is it. Right here WCW doesn't even exist, but you know they're going out of business. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a fantastic. If you haven't seen the whole thing, I recommend it. Um, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Again, it's only five minutes. You can watch it on your uh, smoke break, um, and, and it's well worth it. And then, of course, the the beautiful coda to the whole thing is uh, Mean Gene and Hogan back in the locker room, and uh, he's he's talking about how Hulkamania is running wild. Mean Gene says, you have arrived, Hulk Hogan. And then uh, the part that really got me is his his good buddy Andre the Giant comes in and pours champagne on the new champ. He's like, I am very proud of you. <laughs> it's setting it up. It's setting it up already. Yeah, and Ivan Putsky and Rocky Johnson come in to help out. All the faces are having a great time. And Hogan says, this is, this is better than going to the mountaintop a thousand times. Is that a sex reference? What, <laughs> what mountaintop are we talking about? I don't know, but going winning that belt is better than going to it a thousand times. Yeah. Hmm. We'd have to ask somebody who likes physical activity, I guess. Yeah, that's it's a, totally a sex reference. <laughs> I thought maybe he was just into the Old Testament and Moses or something. I don't know. Well, so so bizarrely, that is not the end of this show. You are so amped up and like you can hear the crowd just like I think the crowd is just like shaking and like shivering from like adrenaline overload through the rest of the show. Like they can't. It's like it's too sensitive. Stop touching it. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Don't look at it. Don't. Don't even look at it. Please. So, I mean, I guess we got to talk about these. Uh, we got to talk about these matches because that's, you know, that's what we're here for. Um, well, yeah. I mean, the theme continues of yeah. holy shit. These guys are old already. Yeah. So Rene Goulet, um, not to be confused with Robert Goulet. Uh, Goulet. Goulet. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. Versus Jimmy Superfly Snooka. Uh, I just wrote, holy, I just heard, holy crap, how was that not the end of the show? Um, like we're sweating. We're sweating after. <laughs> <laughs> so Rene Goulet, um, he is one of those like uh, – Teenage prodigies, wasn't he? Wasn't he like? Um, I need to look this up, but I, I have a. I thought well, before you look him up, how old do you think he is in this match? Oh, I don't know, thirty-four. He's fifty-one. What? Born nineteen thirty-two. Better known by his ring mate, ring name, the number one Frenchman. He is fifty-one years old okay, in this so match. So that's is clearly not the guy that I was thinking of. No. How old um, is Snuka? Do you think? Oh man, he looks fucking old. He's always looked old though. He's always looked old. Forty-seven. He's forty-one. Okay. So that's the first one that you've overestimated. <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> Renee, the 50 whatever year old, jump starts this match. Snooka is like absolutely shredded. Like, what does that guy eat? I don't know. I couldn't pay attention to this match. <laughs> I assume he's just eating like raw eggs. Yeah. Coconut milk. Like, just whatever gets it through. <laughs> he's he does a couple of beautiful leapfrogs there's a big chop there's a nice crossbody from the top rope that he's sort of known for yep. and he just walks off before the winner is even announced like even yeah. he knows this is a fucking afterthought he's like yeah like, I, I got a train to catch he's like 
what the fuck are you thinking making me do this crappy match after that? Yeah. Like, especially like, cause you have the one, two punch of the Paul Orndorff spectacle and then the Hulk chic spectacle. And then you just have these two schlubs come on out. <laughs> and I mean, Jimmy Snook is not a schlub. I, I have resentment towards him, even though he's dead. I'm still pissed about the refuse to even acknowledge my existence. When I asked him for an autograph, sorry, water under the bridge. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, this is what, why like Snooka knows this is just a, just a pastime. Like, and even like the match after this is better than this match. And he Snooka is probably like, why are you making me fight a 51 year old man? <laughs> Somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, and so then uh, we do get a nice little um, we're back to the locker room again with Mean Gene and Hulk Hogan and his parents, Ruth and Pete. Um, they're so cute. They're so proud of him. <laughs> uh, so Pietro, Pete Bollea and Ruth V. Bollea um, are both passed away now. But that it, those are his actual parents and they're super adorable. Pete died in 2001. Ruth died in 2011. So they've been gone for a little bit of a while. They're both like so low energy though. At the same time, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And then, uh, and like mean gene is like getting in the face of the dad. Like he's really up close with the microphone and like, aren't you proud of your son? Aren't you happy? Aren't you great? Isn't Hogan great. And like the dad's is like, well, he did a nice job tonight. And then Hogan just comes back with this burst of energy saying that they're the ones who have trained him since he was, he could toddle. He used toddle as a verb, like <laughs> impressive. And then they, that's, that's the end of the weird. It's a weird, weird segment. Yeah. You don't get the wrestler's parents anymore. That's no, uh, that's not a thing. Yeah. Anyway. So then the, the final match here is a uh, six man tag match. We've got the wild Samoans in one corner. That's Afa Sika and Samu versus Rocky Johnson, Tony, Mr. USA Atlas and Andre the giant. Um, this one is scheduled for one fall or until curfew. <laughs> <Makes me> laugh. <laughs> until uh, we got to get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is actually, this is the Samoans sort of second WWF run. They had been around once and then they came back a second time. And Samu is uh, Alpha's son. He was sort of added to the team during this uh, second run here. Tony and Rocky obviously were, uh, were a famous tag team. First, uh, first black Tag team champions, right? Um, yeah. They are absolute units. Tony Atlas, especially, he looks like a freaking action figure. It's crazy. <laughs> and during this during this match, Gorilla and Pat are just not even pretending to pay attention. They're joking about how much champagne uh, Andre will drink tonight, and how many days a year he spends traveling, and how how familiar he is with uh, airplanes. They're just they're just talking about whatever. Yeah, it is interesting that that is a uh, Samula who later partners with Rikishi. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't put that together. Thank you for for tying that together. I was like, who the hell is that third Samoan? He's definitely a family. Uh, See, but, I, I know stuff sometimes. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, I didn't know Let's play the delay, but that's okay. Let's play the age game again. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is this is a fun one. So, uh uh how old is Afa? Oh man, he's the he's the dad, right? Mm-hmm. He's um sixty. He is forty two in this match. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. <laughs> uh, Sika, um, forty two. So he'd be. Uh, is that his, that's his brother, right? Yeah, forty. Close thirty nine. Okay, that's pretty good. 
and Samula. Uh, okay, so if Alpha is 42. Maybe Samu is 22. Close, 21. Hmm. All right. Actually, he might have been 20. Yeah, he's 20, the... actually, because his birthday hadn't happened that year. So he is 20 years old in this match. So he is the youngest guy on the card. Yeah. See, uh, I'm better with uh, context clues. Yeah. How about Andre? Man, um, I should know when he was born after all these times we've talked about him. I'm going to say he was 36. He's 38. 38. Okay. How about Rocky Johnson? Hmm. He's a little older, I think, right? He's um, also 38. He is 39, so very close. Okay. And Tony Atlas, remember I gave you a clue about him. He's one of the youngest on the card. Oh, okay. Is he uh, 28? He's 30. 30, okay. So he's probably the one with the curfew. Him and Samula (laughs) are probably the ones with curfew that they got to (laughs) beat. Yeah. Yeah. Along with Jose. Yeah, roll out, guys. There's, uh, I don't know, there's there's some fun stuff here. There's a kind of an impressive spot where Tony, like, just flexes, just flexes yeah. his muscles to get out of a full Nelson, which I think. Yeah, glorious. Yeah. Andre is so over. Oh, my God. The crowd loves him almost as much as they love that Hulk Hogan Iron Cheek finish. They're amped up for Andre. He gets in there and exchanges some big headbutts, um, which made me question, you know, whose head is harder? You know, the. I love that. I loved it. The French giant or the Samoans? Because we know this is a factual thing. Wrestling has shown to us that all Samoans have super hard heads. It's impervious um, skulls. Yeah, it's a fact. So, but he gives the he gives the uh, Samoans a big double headbutt, and then a big old boot, and then a nice sit down splash on Samu. Not really getting up from that one. No, he's down, and it's rough. And like, uh, boy, this is a quick hit and run so like it's pretty awesome just the way that plays out that like rocky johnson and and uh, tony atlas are having trouble with the samoans and then finally they tag in andre who just lumbers into the ring and just fucking lays waste to everybody (laughs) just (laughs) big smash and like he's got such an incredible look and he's so big yeah he's so scary and he just crushes everybody and then just sits on Samula's chest for the three count. A poor 20-year-old guy got Andre the Giant sitting on his head. He's fine. <laughs> I'm sure he's fine. The show wraps up with Pat Patterson saying he'll never forget this night of January 23rd, 1983. Wait a minute. Is Pat Patterson time traveling? Yeah, Pat Patterson got the year wrong <laughs> as he signed well, off of the show. <laughs> the new The new year is only three weeks old at this point, so... It's the equivalent of writing it on your checks, you know? Yeah, poor Hulk Hogan's got his moment ruined because Pat Patterson can't remember the year. Oh, how will his career go now? Yeah, and then we never heard from Hulk Hogan again after this moment. Never again. Never again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, so do you, a, have a, do you have a favorite match from all of that? What, I mean, What a great show. Oh, my God. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we watched this one. The favorite match, you know... It's close between Paul Orndorff and Salvatore Belomo and uh, Hulk Hogan versus Sheik. But I mean, the moment of Hulk versus Sheik, you can't deny it. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. It's the Thanos of professional wrestling. It's coming. (laughs) You can't deny it. It is going to take control of everything. It's uh, Hulkamania is running wild. And like Hulk is, you know, Hulk runs around with this sign of some fan that says, I fear no man. And Hulkamania on it, like, 
it's such a moment it's and it is the meteor that struck the dinosaurs of the wrestling world <laughs> it's That's a big it. it's a big freaking deal i mean it's yeah. definitely the it's definitely the highlight of the card even if the wrestling itself is sort of perfunctory but again that's one thing that we're learning here at this at this sort of main this inflection point is that the wrestling is sort of secondary to the show yeah the physicality is this there to the draw the sporting fans right. but everybody is really in for the story and that's and that's what's getting painted here is is this complicated beautiful story and now it's time for just hulk to go on a run it's time for him to make a friend and betray him <laughs> It's time for Hulk to make another friend and steal betray. his and steal his <laughs> wife and betray him. It's time for Hulk to make another friend and get him eliminated from the Royal Rumble and betray him and gaslight him into thinking he's crazy. It's running wild, man. This is the WWF just set up nine years of storylines yeah. right with this match. It's incredible. Well, I'd say with the whole show, even, you know, having Mr. Wonderful here, Miss and Rowdy Rowdy Piper, some of these other guys weren't, don't have huge roles, but Sergeant Slaughter is going to be kicking around for a good bit of time. Um, some and of the Tito and Don Morocco, which we don't yeah. get to see, but they're there. They stick around for a long time. Tito makes it to the Monday Night Raw era as the Metador. You know, you, you, you've got these old timers that are getting retired on this night basically like putsky strongbow fuji you know fuji becomes a manager pretty soon after this i think so and then you got you got hogan and orndorff who come out as stars as this as this match as this night it's incredible yeah as they should um we usually pick a worst match i mean i think for me it's probably renee and uh jimmy snooker just because it's sort of the most useless on the card <laughs> yeah of... they those poor guys they got screwed yeah and, that's not their but fault like it's also just not a good match <laughs> did you have a oh shit moment i did the oh shit moment is chic getting up off yeah. the stretcher <laughs> yeah uh, it's close with andre sitting on samula's head basically for the pin but she he's rolling around in pain like oh my god he is selling the leg the big the big leg drop he is selling the hell out of that. He's flopping around the ring as the Fink is making the announcement of Hulk Hogan as the new champion. He is flopping around like he's got a neck injury or something. And so they're trying to strap him down and he just busts out. He can't handle Hulk Hogan taunting him from the corner. It's yeah, so good. I was not prepared. I was not prepared for the sort of the aftermath of that match <laughs> and the Iron Sheik acting like a complete maniac. Um that was beautiful. You, you never see it. The clip mm -hmm. is this Hogan dropping the leg and getting the pin and celebrating. But like, so you just assume that like, oh, well, after that happened, she probably just rolled out of the ring, took his, took him and Blassie backstage and yelled at me and Gene or something. But no, he flopped around, <laughs> then got strapped onto a stretcher, broke out of the stretcher and charged at Hulk Hogan again. And as we always do, we just like to take a moment to pay tribute to some of the men and women that we've seen in this event who are no longer with us. So our in memoriam section for this event from 1984 includes Gorilla Monsoon, Pat Patterson, referee Santos Ramos, referee Jack Lutz, Howard Finkel, Mr. Fuji, Chief J Strongbow, Mean Gene Okerlund, Rowdy Rowdy Piper, 
Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Salvatore Belomo, Classy Freddy Blassie, Andre the Giant, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, Rene Goulet, and Pietro Pete Bollea, and Ruth V. Bollea, parents of Hulk Hogan, and Jose Luis Rivera. All right, so again, thanks for joining us. Uh, again, you can find us on all the WrestleManias.com. Shoot us an email at all the WrestleManias at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Find us on your favorite social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to ko-fi.com slash all the WrestleManias. Drop us five bucks or whatever you feel is uh, appropriate. We certainly would appreciate it. And for this episode, I'm your co-host, Tim. And I'm Rich. Saying so long, everybody. Bye.